You're listening to PorchDrinking.com's The Porchcast, brought to you by ONTAP Credit Union. And now, The Porchcast. All right, everyone, and welcome to episode 107 of The Porchcast. Well, we are broadcasting today from Left Hand Rhino, uh, right outside of Mission Ballroom, and uh, very excited to be joined by Jill Preston, Director of Marketing for Left Hand. Um, we also have Tony Tony from ONTAP Credit Union, who's going to tell us a little bit more about brewery expansions and how to get your brewery ready for an expansion like Left Hand did out here. And then we'll jo- be joined later on by Ellie from uh, Team Player Productions, talking to us a little bit about Vail Oktoberfest, which is happening this weekend. But before we do, we do want to give a more formal shout-out to our sponsors. And also, I want to welcome uh, Corey Back to the show. Corey David, what's up, man? How's it going? I've just been living, dude. You know, I'm not an expert at anything, so I'm just happy to be here. <laughs> it's been a long time since been. we've been able to reconnect on a podcast, so I'm really stoked to, to have you join us again. Well, like I told you, the summer was just crazy busy. I wasn't here for a weekend the entire summer, so it was just like two months of touring and, and being out of town. Well, that's what happens stuff, when so. you start blowing up as a comedian, so uh, you're heading, heading, where are you heading this weekend? Uh, this weekend is, oh, Indonesia. Yeah, we leave tomorrow. Yeah, yeah. Just, just Indonesia, you know, not a big deal. And listen, man, it's a lot of work setting up all this equipment my brain's not right <laughs> i'm only half an ipa in so it takes like as soon as i finish this i'll be able to function but you'll, yeah. you'll be firing on all cylinders awesome well just uh before we get started just a reminder be sure to follow us on all of your listening devices itunes apple play whatever it is be sure to give us a follow and like and uh we'll that way you'll be able to hear more of our content um, I want to big, give a big thank you to our friends at ONTAP Credit Union. Once again, Tony, thanks for joining us. My pleasure. ONTAP Credit Union isn't your average financial partner. They make banking as easy as enjoying your favorite beverage while providing great financial advice in a friendly and welcoming environment. With ONTAP, Colorado comes first, which is why they offer low loan rates for cars, homes, credit cards, and more. And with ONTAP's mobile app, you can have instant access to your accounts, whether you're meeting friends at a local brewery, out on the slopes, or wherever your next adventure takes you. Member-owned, Colorado Proud, friendly insured through NCUA. We'll also have more from our friends at ONTAP Credit Union about a special offer coming in the next couple weeks, so be sure to stay tuned. All right, next up we've got the payroll department. The payroll department has been proud to serve Colorado's many craft breweries for 30 years with integrated payroll, timekeeping, HR solutions, benefits, and paperless onboarding. The friendly and helpful team at the payroll department can take care of your business while you focus on doing what's what you do best, making good beer. And with the payroll department's new easy-to-use app and online pr- platform, your days of waiting through paperwork are over. You and your employees can easily access all of your information right at your fingertips. Each brewery in our state is crafting something unique that brings together community and make, makes this place feel like home. Don't let payroll and HR take you away from your passion. The payroll department is here to help. For more information, email marketing at payrolldept.biz. Visit them online at payrolldept.biz. Between the credit union and the payroll, I feel like this is just turning into a financial podcast. That's right. Next sponsor is Beercoin. <laughs> <laughs> it's very clear that this podcast just brings in all the money. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, Jill, I want to say uh, a big thank you for hosting us once again. You're uh, welcome. It's uh, It seems like Left Hand is just blowing up left and right, so we've been wanting to talk with you guys for a little while now, um, and, you know, we figured what an appropriate time then right before you guys celebrate your 30th anniversary. I know. Can you believe it? Isn't that 30 insane? years on September 21st. Congratulations. Thank you. Which is also, ironically, the first day of GABF. Well, which is did, exciting. You guys plan, did you guys plan that or what? We, we, we worked with the organizers. We did plan that. Yeah. For <laughs> when VA said that was good. Yeah. <laughs> went back in time, had Eric Wallace start the brewery on the, the appropriate right. day. This particular day. Exactly. And it's also, personally, it's my wedding anniversary, oh also on the God. 21st. Oh, wow. I know, isn't that funny? Since I've been working for Left Hand, the 21st of September, my husband's like, I know it's going to probably be something beer-related that we're doing, but he loves beer, too, so that's that's okay. That's a pretty great way to celebrate it. (laughs) 34 is a long time. You guys are almost at your midlife crisis point (laughs) as a brewery. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Well, you know, it's been an interesting up and down 30 years. That's for sure. Constantly evolving and changing. Yeah, it's been an interesting 30 years for beer as a whole, right? It it absolutely has. Well, you know, in addition to uh, to celebrating your all's 30th anniversary, I feel like Left Hand has had a monstrous past past two years from World Beer Cup wins to GABF medals to opening this new location. Um, you know, I think uh, there's a lot to celebrate. 
So yes, we they're... wanted to kind of touch on all of that. Yes. A yeah, no, it's absolutely a lot to celebrate, you know, especially being a brewery that's 30 years old and still continuing to remain relevant, you know, through our beer development, uh, through our new locations that we're opening. I mean, you know, when you're a brand and you've been around for 30 years, you do have to reinvent yourselves and yeah. continue to stay relevant, especially with today's, you know, consumers who are very different than, you know, when we first opened. Yeah, totally. Outside of the beers themselves, like what kind of marketing initiatives do you think you guys have had a lot of success with in terms of staying relevant, right? Because I feel yeah. like the time where every brewery is like what's your brand you're like we're fun i'm like okay i'm pretty sure that's community every, <laughs> pretty sure that's everybody uh so what yeah. I mean, what kind of things have you guys had success yeah. with that you feel like resonate with current drinkers you know one of the things that we're all about is creating experiences to bring people together so i mean that's actually you know kind of our our mission and beer isn't in that whatsoever so for us, and community obviously is important as well, you know, we have several huge community events that we have every single year. Um, Left of Palooza, which is a tribute band competition that's been going on for 10 years. We have our Oktoberfest um, that's in its 12th year. All the money goes back to our foundation, to local nonprofits. Um, but in our tasting room and here at Left Hand Rhino, I mean, we do like to have fun. We like to bring in different groups. Um, so whether that's, you know, a private event or whether that's a comedy show or a fundraiser for a local nonprofit. I mean, so much of our marketing is based on experiences and experiential marketing. Of course, we do things, you know, the social media outreach, all of that good stuff. But we want people to come in, try the beer, experience who we are in a genuine way. And I truly think that, you know, you touched on experiences, but your event programming is, has always been kind of above and beyond what what you think of normal brewery festivals. You talked about Leftapalooza, you, but also, you know, bringing back Nitro Fest this year, doing it over here at Mission Ballroom, yes. aligning it with this tap room right here. Uh, but for those who haven't experienced Nitro Fest, it first and foremost is one of the coolest themed festivals in that it celebrates all nitrogenated beer, but also you have circus performers and people dressing up in costumes and like attendees dressing up in yes. costumes. Yes. It, I, I truly am blown away every single time that I get to get, attend and and it, it really is different from all the other beer festivals out there. Yeah and I mean we we are known for nitro beers which you know let's face it not a lot of breweries do there's some that out there that do it but that's really our niche and we blew up with milk stout nitro back in 2011 which is crazy but yes nitro fest has always been super fun it's been themed it celebrates nitro um and it's again that experience and um, we hadn't done it for a couple years because of covid and everything else but we knew that last year what an awesome opportunity to partner with Mission Ballroom and, um, you know, tie into one of their shows. And, and it was a blast. Yeah, not to be confused with Nitrous Fest, which, right. they, had a, which they had at Dick's Morning Goodfield for fish over Labor Day weekend. I missed, no, I'm a total fish head, and I, I missed that. But yes, a little different than Nitrous. Well, you guys, you're just like, we'll have balloons, but that's just a coincidence. Yeah, it's a total coincidence. Absolutely. Just pushing the beer here. Well, speaking of Milk Stout, um, you know, Milk Stout was one of the two, two beers that won medals during... Um, you know the it was was it CBC the it was the uh, it was uh, GABF, or GABF last sorry. year last yeah twenty twenty two and you know how it is some years you win some years you don't and it had been honestly a couple years since we had won and I was there last year and the first beer that came up that won was Saint Brain yep. which was our our Belgian uh, triple that's been around for a long time and that got bronze and we were so excited and then boom Milk Stout you know won um, and I think it was a silver seventh. GABF medal? Yes, yes. That's pretty impressive. Yep. I, I feel like that speaks to not only just how qu high quality the beer is, but the endurance of, of that beer, not only to win, you know, early on in GABF history, but then also having such a, you know, relevant uh, medal most recently. Yes. Yeah. And we were, you know, we were waiting in line, getting ready to accept the, the medal for Milk Stout, and then we won, you know, Brewery of the Year. Yes. Which was... Total shock and surprise. We couldn't believe it. Humble brag. Uh, I mean, no, Eric Wallace. I mean, Eric. I mean, he. We've never won that award, yeah. and um, it was very humbling. It was very exciting, yeah. and it just kind of was like, yes, you're still, 
still doing it after all these years. I'm just envisioning you dropping the first trophy on the stage to go run and get the second one. You're like, I no, mean, this one's cooler. Th- Sorry. Th- I mean, that's honestly kind of what it was because we just couldn't believe we won two medals for two beers, and then boom, there was that award. Yeah. So was it was something or else. anything for you to take all those medals off the stage? Oh, gosh. Yeah. yeah. Eric's I mean, going to need a chiropractic adjustment for wearing all the medals, you know. Right. Well, I mean, I know we were talking about Milk Stout and all the success you guys have had with that, and I get. I wanted to ask a question because of what you did, basically did when you were getting me a beer here. I was like, oh, I haven't had a milk stout in a while. And you're like, what else do you like, though? Because we make a lot of different things. Yes. Is that a big struggle for you guys? Because I, as far as as long as I can remember, left hand is milk stout, yes. right? I mean, so. it is absolutely a blessing and a curse. And um, we had a beer actually named Blessing and a Curse, which is pretty funny. <laughs> um, I mean, our very first beer that we came out with, that won gold its very first year of GABF, was Sawtooth. Amber Ale. And, you know, everyone in the 90s came out with their Amber Ale. Um, but then it was really, you know, Milk Stout came out like in 1999, 2011 as we introduced Nitro. Um, and then, boom, we were known for that style, for stouts. And we became known as the Darker Beer Brewery, um, which is amazing. And, I mean, it's it's just insane to think that that beer has been so relevant after all these years. But, yes, we make a lot of other different beers. I'm drinking this amazing left-hand IPA, which is a West Coast IPA. Pilsners. I mean, we make classic styles. Um, and I was going to say, it's the season sours. for it, but Oktoberfest. Oh, I yes. feel like you all produce one we of the do. best Oktoberfests on the market. No, we really do. Thank you. And that um, just came out. Um, we're always so excited when that beer comes out. Um, and, yeah, it's available. It's available now. So, But it is. From a marketing standpoint, of course, being known for something is amazing. But then breaking through that is sometimes hard. Yeah, I feel like it's got to be a delicate balance of it you want to hype up the thing that is your, like, workhorse, right? And yes. make sure that succeeds. Because that's not an easy category to succeed in, first and foremost. Stouts, in general, 2% don't seem like they're... Of, uh, 2% of beer drinkers regularly drink stouts. Correct. Oh, wow. then, so we have to cast a wide net. Yeah. yeah and I, is the marketing approach a lot different between, like, Milk Stout and then your other beers? Or is it pretty uniform, like, across the board, like, how you promote? I mean, I would say kind of the core items we're doing are, are similar. But I will say that, you know, there's almost more education needed on some of our new beers that are coming out that aren't stouts. We almost have to put more push behind it because people know us for our, our stouts. Sometimes those beers just sell themselves. Right. Um, but we also have to continue to remind people about Milk Stout Nitro. I mean, there's, let's face it, a lot of breweries out there, a lot of great beers out there. Um, you know, most breweries don't have beers that st- you know stand the test of time. Um, most beers are kind of one or two years and done. So we have to always, you know, kind of beat on that milk stout drum. Yeah, you don't want to rest on your laurels. No, totally. absolutely not. <laughs> uh, I feel like one of the beers that I've seen more and more in the past few years has been your 1265 Pilsner. Tell yes. us a little bit more about that one because, you know, I, I know, you know, as someone who's been in the beer industry for a while, everyone's like, lagers, lagers, lagers. How has it been introducing kind of this, this newer, mm-hmm. I think, newer entry to such a established category, uh, especially a category that's you know I feel like it's been popular among breweries, but or beer industry folks, but it's still just slowly starting to pick up now over time. Yeah, I mean I think with this new generation, they're looking for things that are a little bit lighter, yep. more easy drinking. Yep. Um, we're definitely seeing that. I mean, not that IPAs won't always be popular, but you know people are definitely turning back towards. Loggers, you know, obviously Pilsner is a logger, but 1265, everyone's like, well, what does that mean? And that's the address of our brewery. Yes. So we're at 1265 Boston Avenue. So, um, you know, it was either that or left-hand Pilsner, but we've also <laughs> been calling it kind of Colorado's Pilsner. Um, and it's really gotten a lot of a lot of solid traction. It's very crisp. It's lively. It's easy drinking. Um, Polestar Pilsner, you know, was one of our classics yep. um, that was out for years. Definitely more of a classic, though. Uh, Pilsner with a little bit more bite. So this one is a little bit more easy drinking, mm. more of an American style Pilsner, and um, it does it does very well um, here in Colorado. So you can find it on tap at a lot of different on-premise accounts very cool yeah now you know we're here in this new location um you know i know i know that you and i have talked extensively over the past couple years about this expansion um but you all were able to find this location which i think is really really exciting with what's happening in this neighborhood um you know this neighborhood itself has been blowing up in the past decade uh but also i feel like this part of the neighborhood 
is really starting to pick up steam. It, it is. And, um, you know, for years, Eric, you know, wanted to open a location in Denver. We yep. wanted to plant a flag and we spent a lot of time looking and um, ultimately wanted to be somewhere where there was going to be future growth and, and a lot of runway. And we are definitely, you know, coming here, if you've been to Mission Ballroom, there's still a lot of construction, there's a lot happening, apartments, there's new retail going in. And we were really kind of their first tenant here. Yeah. Um, which, you know, obviously is a blessing and a curse. <laughs> no, it's, it's a blessing in the sense that, I mean, Mission Ballroom gets, you know, so many shows and we get so many people in here. But also we know this area is still, you know, developing. Um, but we're here for the long term. Yeah. I mean, you know, we've signed a 20-year lease. We're here. We're dedicated to this to this area, to this neighborhood. Um, and it's it's been a really great reception. Um, we're open almost a year, a year in November. Nice. Congratulations. Um, and, yeah. and there's the, a full kitchen here, too, which is very, yes. very nice. It's our for first foray into being a full-service restaurant, yeah. um, which has been a lot of learning, um, but it's been a lot of fun. And, um, and we're also a full bar as well. Yeah. Um, a lot of people, you know, are into other drinks, and we have a full cocktail menu. We have a lot of non-alcoholic selections in addition to all the food our beer of course so what's the best thing on the food menu you know we just launched like our brand new um, menu in terms of food so there's a lot of new items I haven't tried but I will say kind of the hallmark of our of our menu is our marafoni um, pizza oven so it came from Italy it's wow. beautiful it's tiled it can make a pizza in like 90 seconds. So we have a full line of Neapolitan um, pizzas that are just, you know, delicious. And what's cool about it is they're they're quick. So if you're, you know, waiting to go into the Mission Ballroom, you can grab one. Um, but we, you know, we have appetizers, salads. Um, we have an amazing chicken sandwich, which you know everyone is into chicken sandwiches these days. <laughs> so there's a there's a little bit of and something tots. For, for everyone. Tots, of course, incredibly popular and. You know, we're always coming out with some new items yeah. as well. We have an amazing pork green chili that's to die for. Oh, yeah. So yeah. if you're waiting in line in Mission Ballroom for a concert, just grab a pizza and you can eat it. Yes, <laughs> no, no, absolutely. And we do um, do like a slice slices of pizza, drinks that people can you know stand in line. Not not alcoholic drinks, sure. but while you know they're waiting for oh, wow, that's waiting awesome. for their show. Yeah. And we'll do late night as well. Oh, very cool. People, so no, know, pocket beers, no pocket beers. No pocket beers. Not yet. We're hoping to um, actually have a common consumption license um, here in the plaza oh, that's in the exciting. next year or so, so we'd be able to actually do that. Sell, like, walkable beers? Yeah, you know? walkable beers. I wish more places in town would do that. I know. It's like when you visit, like, other countries, one of the nicest things is being able to just grab a drink from a bar and walk around. Yes. I, I, I feel like, like when, when they launch that open consumption, they need to bring Corey in to just like heckle people in line <laughs> yeah, yeah. and it'll be called the pocket beer series you know like, I love that. Yeah, yeah it'll be great I, I won't be drunk at all <laughs> <laughs> well uh, I want to get back to the 30th anniversary yes. you know it's a very momentous occasion um, I know that you all are going to be doing uh, celebrations at both you know the Longmont locations and then also here in Rhino tell us a little bit more about those celebrations and what people can expect. Uh, I know yeah. that there's also some commemorative beers as well. Yes, absolutely. We actually started celebrating last month. Um, for five consecutive weeks on Tuesdays, we have been releasing some of our OG beers from the 90s, which has been really fun. So, you know, Jackman's Pale Ale, um, Blackjack Porter, a lot of these beers that we were originally known for in the 90s. Mm -hmm. So we've started releasing those in our um, tasting room in Longmont. Um, but on the 21st, that will kind of all culminate here at Left Hand Rhino, we will have all those beers on tap. In addition, in both locations, we're going to be launching a special 30th anniversary Imperial Stout. Yeah. Um, that is just delicious. The label is gorgeous. It kind of harkens back to our kind of original label. And um, so we're going to have that beer released on the 21st. We'll be serving that beer at GABF as well. Um, and then in addition, at our left-hand uh, tasting room, um, we're going to be doing kind of a whole 90s theme day on the 21st. And um, we're going to be having $5 uh, pints of Sawtooth. We'll have all the OG beers on tap, the release. And then we're having a Metallica cover band come oh, no. play <laughs> at 6. So it'll be it's like party-like, party-like the 90s. Heck yeah. Um, What's funny about that is that Gen Zers will just show up with what they would wear normally. <laughs> right. yeah. Like 90s are very in fashion right now. I don't like it, but it is it is a thing. It's happening. No, it's a total thing. I mean, I went to high school in the 90s, so it's like, shoot, I should have just saved I mean, all my clothes. NSYNC just re had a reunion, so. <laughs> 
yeah, I mean, right. I feel like we're we're coming full circle yeah, here. Yeah, a sentence I never thought I would say is my Jinko jeans would be worth so much money right now. <laughs> right? <laughs> no, totally. So we're we're super excited about, you know, the 30th, the way it's corresponding with GABF. We also um, are going to be doing um, some different events around Denver at some different bars, having some of our beers on tap, um, and really just, you know, celebrating the whole the whole time. And I'm sure people can find out all the information on the website and yes. on Facebook and, and all of the, the left-hand kind of channels. All the socials. Yes, yes, exactly. All the stuff and more and more will be shared, you know, in the next few days, you know, as we're leading up until next week. Cool. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, for... Coming back to the second location, I know, you know, thinking about a second location can be challenging for any brewery. And, um, you know, one of the, I feel like one of the trends that we've seen here in Colorado has been that, you know, some of the pioneer breweries, instead of looking outward, has looked have looked inward. Um, you see that with Odell. I know New Belgium did expand outside um, to, you know, North Carolina, but they also opened up locations here. Why, why stay in Colorado when you could, you know, open up an outpost, you know, in a different state? Yeah, no, absolutely. That's a really good question. I think for us being in Longmont, yeah. right, you're a little further north. Sure. And sometimes it's harder for people to get up there. And let's face it, I mean, Denver is where the people are. There's so much growth here in Denver. So it just made sense for us, you know, initially to open a location here in Denver mm -hmm. because, you know, we can expose, you know, folks here who are maybe not wanting to drive all the way up to Longmont to our beers, to our brand. Um, we always knew that Denver was gonna be our first mm. um, kind of outpost outside of Longmont. And we have looked at other locations. We've looked up in the mountains. Mm -hmm. We looked in Breckenridge. Um, and I would say, you know, it, it is definitely possible I see us opening another location in Colorado. In terms of outside of our state, we'll have to see. Yeah. You know, um, kind of see, see what that brings. Certainly it's not out of the question. But I think right now we're really focused on home state growth, even though we've been here for 30 years. I've always said that, you know, a brewery should look at a place like Green Bay or like, you know, <laughs> somewhere in the Midwest where they just drink for about eight months of the year nonstop. Yeah. <laughs> just go to the place where people are going to drink the most. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, because yeah. otherwise, I mean, I think if you're going to other states at this point, you're kind of intruding like a little bit unless you did bit. some like yep. kind of cool collab with like a restaurant there. Everyone has or local breweries. Totally. I mean, they do. I mean, every state now has their own local and people are about their own hometown local breweries. Sure. You know, back now, maybe 10 or 15 years ago when craft beer was really just, you know, busting out at the seams. You know, a lot of brands, of course, moved to some different states, and they've been successful. Um, however, now there's just so many more local breweries. And we've seen that uh, where breweries have tried to come into Colorado, and they've had to pull back. And so, um, you know, we saw that with, uh, with you know, some of the Budweiser and breweries. And, then, and now we're seeing that more and more with, with brewery closures, uh, you know, over the past year alone. So outside of Sweetwater, can you? Th what other ones can you think of that are like out of state that have come that in here? That opened a tap room, yeah. That opened I mean, a tap room. I know the ten, like Ten Barrel and whatnot. Epic. Yeah, Red Truck, uh, which, <laughs> yeah. which came from Canada. Canada. Yeah. <laughs> Although Sweetwater replaced that location yeah. in Fort Collins. Yeah, totally. Yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, we, I'll talk smack. It's way better, so that's fine. <laughs> there, there is the voodoo. You guys can save it. It's fine. There is the voodoo brewery location that I think is opening in the springs, or maybe have has opened in the springs. Oh, weird! Are they just hoping to capitalize on the confusion? Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> maybe. People are like, "Wait a minute! This isn't Voodoo Ranger." Yeah. What? <laughs> exactly. But yeah, no. I mean, like, I, I think um, you know, it, it is difficult when, when, especially coming into a state like Colorado, that's so deeply entrenched already in its own brewery scene to come in and be like hey we're from out of state but uh we still think we can compete with all the you know the pioneers the ogs yep. who have been here for so long yeah i yeah. think colorado definitely has more of that challenge because so many of the original breweries that were out there came from colorado california mm -hmm. you know in california a yeah. lot of them well it seemed like there was kind of a gold rush as soon as supermarkets allowed started allowing beer and a bunch of people tried to get in on that and totally. then everybody got blue balled super hard <laughs> because they're like yeah we're just gonna go local and they're like ah shit yeah. <laughs> i know and then they basically don't exist i mean i uh, I, mean, I love brooklyn brewery to death but i mean they Same. tried to make a splash because of the chain thing and then didn't I mean, happen. Surly, so then, even before that, I feel like Surly had one of the biggest launches here locally, and then it was just yeah, completely just out. Yeah. 
Yeah, it's it's a challenge, and you know, right now for craft beer, there's you know a, a lot of other off you know um, offerings out there, whether it be hard seltzer or RTDs. Um, there's a lot more competition just sure. with you know breweries with shelf space. Um, so yeah, I mean it's it's challenging. Totally, um, for sure. Now, I I want to touch a little bit on kind of left hands footprint during GABF. Tell, tell folks what they can kind of expect uh, outside of the, you know, we touched on the 30th anniversary, but for those who are going to the festival, I know that you all always go big when it comes to GABF. Uh, you, you mentioned having the 30th anniversary beer at the festival. What else can folks get yeah, excited Yeah, no, for? absolutely. So we're booth 4-1, <laughs> just so everybody knows. Um, our booth uh, definitely will have a nostalgic feel. We have a lot of old school photos and just cool stuff um, for our 30th. But yes, we will have our um, barrel-aged or the anniversary. We are also going to be debuting a new nitro beer that's going to be coming out next year, oh. which is a Belgian white. Oh, cool. So it's white nitro. Nice. Um, it goes great with an orange. Um, but brand new beer. You know, nitro, people tend to think stouts only. Mm -hmm. um, and we really try to push that envelope. We've had a variety of different beers on nitro that aren't stouts. And this beer is amazing. I mean, it is just um, delicious. And so we're going to be sampling that in addition to our peanut butter milk stout nitro which is very popular and a variety of our other beers so Oktoberfest will be there Pilsner will be there um, but those those beers um, those nitro beers were particularly excited about that's very cool are you guys getting back in the nitro IPA game anytime soon oh my gosh that's the beer that we always talk about we're like how about a nitro IPA and we've tried I mean we've tried piloting them it's just tough because nitro does soften out some of those flavors so and people want yeah, yeah. People, yeah although i will say with today's consumer you know they're not looking for like you know, like the bitter ibus like yeah. you did back in the 2000s so i do think coming out with a nitro ipa it might be you know what people are looking for it's a little bit more crushable you know easy drinking well that was like a fad like what six seven years ago it, like it was one of the, it was the style of the year like yes it passed that baton and i'm just like it wasn't great you know, yeah. like nobody was really like nailing it for the most part. Yeah, so we, you know, will continue to innovate and R&D it. We have come out with some, but we're not going to release anything unless we know it's, mm -hmm. you know, we feel proud of it and it's going to hit the mark. From a canning, I, I apologize for not, I feel like usually I'm very knowledgeable from the technical side of things, but I, I'm not as familiar with like, uh, you know, the technical side of, of preserving the nitrogen in a can. Mm -hmm. I, I remember... You know, when I was first getting into beer, uh, that Guinness had the little, uh, the little bulb or whatever that they that they had. Did you all have yes. to utilize that? You're a yes. widget, Harry. Yes, yeah. we have a widget. <laughs> yeah. It's a widget can right. from Ball, our partners at Ball. Yeah. Um, but yes, we use a widget can for all of our canned mm. nitro beers. So what's cool about it is, you know, you crack it open. You know, that nitro releases from the bottom. You pour it into the glass, and it's that draft experience. Mm. Although I will say, I mean, our number one seller still is milk stout nitro in a bottle. Mm. Um, but in a bottle, of course, it's nitrogenated, but you have to pour hard. And mm. people think that's a gimmick. They're like, oh, no, you don't really just open it up and dump it in, you know, a glass. But you do because you have to, you know, invigorate that that nitrogen. So, um yeah, the, the can experience is, is really convenient. You know, if you're on the go and you don't have a glass, you can just drink it right out of the can. Um, but people like to have fun with, with the bottle and the pour hard. Absolutely. Now, uh, what else can we get excited about from a left-hand standpoint throughout the rest of the year? Uh, I know that one thing that I did want to at least mention and I think is super impressive, you know, we talk about community, we talk about giving back, but I know that since 2008, Left Hand has raised over is it five point seven? It's over seven million dollars now. Holy cow, that's insane! Yes, seven million dollars for the National Multiple Sclerosis Society. Correct. Yes. Um, so our chief operating officer, Chris Leonard, started our first bike MS team back in I want to say it was two thousand and eight, and since then it has grown and we've raised more than seven million dollars uh, through bike MS. We do seven or or eight different rides throughout the country. We have over 600 participants, volunteers. So it's a huge part of our community giving and, and what we're about. Yeah, one of our one of our porch drinking writers, Chris Walner, was super involved when he lived out here. Yeah, and, yeah. Um, it's just been, you know, as my now, my new sister-in-law is, you know, someone who has, has 
been dealing with uh, MS uh, recently, and so it's it's really incredible to hear, you know, just how invested you all have been in this program. No, we're we're absolutely invested, and in you know, it started small and it's just grown, and you know, now that's just a community that we work so so closely with. Um, we are the national largest um, cycling team in the country. We are the largest fundraising team in the country. So, I mean, it is absolutely a part of, of who we are. Okay, fantastic. Yeah. Cool. Well, um, yeah, to close out the, you know, close out our conversation with Jill here, I, I wanted to just hear a little bit more about what can folks get excited about for the rest of the year? Oh, yeah, absolutely. We have some great new beers coming out um, Q4. We actually have a candy cane milk stout. It's an oh. imperial milk stout, 10% um, ABV. Um, so it tastes like, you know, that classic kind of hot chocolate, spiked peppermint, milk stouts on nitro, so that will be coming out um, this fall. Um, next year, we have a new hazy IPA coming out called Juicy Goodness, um, which we're excited about. Um, I also men mentioned our, our Belgian white um, nitro. Um, and gosh, just, just a lot of activities going on in our tasting room here at Left Hand Rhino. Um, so it'll be, it's really gonna be an exciting year. Cool. Um, we're looking forward to it. Well, Jill, thanks so much for having us into the, the new tasting room here in You're Rhino. Welcome. Uh, definitely want to encourage folks who are listening to us to stop in and check out the, the Left Hand Rhino uh, location, either either before a show, after a show, or just like throughout the week. You know, they've got really great food, like we talked about. And, uh, and a full bar, so it's a, it's a fantastic stop as you're hopping around the Rhino neighborhood. Thank you so much. It's been a pleasure being here. All right, we're going to take a quick break. Uh, we'll be back here with uh, Tony from ONTAP Credit Union, and uh, we're going to chat a little bit about brewery expansions because, you know, without financial backing, it's very hard to accomplish uh, a second location Indeed like Left Hand did. So uh, we'll take a quick break, uh, and we'll be back in just a moment. Alrighty, folks, welcome back to episode 107 of the Porchcast. Uh, excited to be joined now by Tony Nito, VP of Lending for ONTAP Credit Union. Tony, how's it going, man? Cheers, Tristan. Going fantastic. Well, like I mentioned before the break, uh, we felt it was very appropriate to, to bring you in to talk a little bit about how breweries can prepare for scaling. Um, you know, with, with Left Hand's new location opening up here in, in, in Rhino, you know, I think they had to prepare both financially and, and just as a brewery, but what, what does it truly take for any brewery of any size to get their ducks in a row to either expand or look at a new location or just you know plan for growth as a whole? So, so we wanted to bring you in to chat a little bit more uh, and you know give some pointers. And obviously, you know if breweries are, are looking to learn more, we definitely encourage them to, to chat with you at ONTAP and, uh, and you can, I know that you can definitely help them out. Um, you've helped a lot of breweries uh, along the way so you know to, to dive into it you know what is the most important thing first and foremost uh, for a brewery that's considering an expansion of any size have a trust fund <laughs> <laughs> Corey that's not a bad place to start honestly because obviously it does take a lot of capital to to expand and you know I think the number one thing we talk to our brewery partners about when they're looking for expansion opportunities is uh, number one do they have a capacity because a lot of them are simply looking to you know open a new tap room so can they can they uh, you know serve that tap room with the existing capacity constraints that they have in perhaps an existing location sure. uh, unless they're really going full scale and they're putting in a new brew house and things like that so you know what are they able to brew uh, based on the equipment they currently have uh, in terms of that the second thing obviously you know Corey mentioned it uh, finances sure you know um, there's there's really only three ways to, Sorry, to, really to <laughs> <laughs> uh, and you certainly did a good job but uh, you know it, it's it's you, you have to have the capital this is this is a cash intensive business uh, particularly from a startup or, or adding that secondary location uh, you know we're you know excited to see some of the expansion we're seeing here in Denver but we're also from a market perspective in a, a very high rent district sure. so it, it is not cheap to get into new locations and obviously just like any other real estate I mean location is king right yeah. and we're sitting here in this beautiful location across from Mission Ballroom and I don't know that you could ask for a better spot than, totally. than what Left Hand has put together here. Now, when you're looking at kind of their their books, is it is it something where as you know as a lender, 
do you feel like you have to see positive growth year over year, every single year, or is there some wiggle room, especially, you know, considering the, the pandemic and, you know, some of the challenges that breweries have faced afterwards, is, is, is there some wiggle room for, for breweries that maybe have seen some growth, maybe have not seen as much growth in recent years, but are on the, on the bounce back? You know, and there certainly is. <laughs> that's a that's a great question, uh, and there certainly is room for growth. I mean, we're we're far enough out of the pandemic now, thankfully, knock on wood, that that we almost discount 2020 because we don't see a lot of businesses, not just breweries, but there's a lot of businesses that simply weren't profitable in 2020. So uh, we're really looking at 2021, 2022, you know, how are they doing? And then we even look at pre-2020 yeah. for those really mature type breweries like a left hand. Uh, but we certainly want to peek at the financials and, and take a look at, at how they're operating. Uh, in really simplistic terms, there's only three ways to generate cash. And, and those ways are uh, operating activity, investing activity, and financing activity. If, if you're not generating cash, you know, cash flow from operating or investing activities, you're borrowing to fund your continuous growth. And, you know, that, that growth ends as soon as any financial institution decides, well, we're not going to lend you any more money. So you do have to get to a certain inflection point mm -hmm. where you're starting to generate operating cash. <laughs> uh, of course, and maybe as long as you don't give up any ownership, it'd be all right, right? <laughs> we all saw how that worked out for the bear, right? <laughs> um, so between you know starting a new brewery and expanding a different uh, an existing brewery, what are some of the difference there differences there in terms from a lending perspective? Well, a new brewery is a completely different animal because one of the things you're going to see there as, as you know, a couple guys approach and, and then, hey, we got an idea. We'd like to open a brewery. There's no historical financials to review, sure. right? So one of the things we're going to take a deep dive into is what do your personal financials look like? Mm -hmm. You know, we're going to want to see tax returns for the last couple of years. Are you both working existing jobs where you're able to provide and show some income? You know, <laughs> you know, uh, product is another big thing we look at, though, Corey. I mean, can you make a product because I know Jill she did a great job as she talked about the number of, of breweries that you know since we've since we've seen the craft explosion but you know the, the craft brewery industry is is not just uh, you know uh, nostalgic anymore I mean you have to be able to produce a good product or people won't come through your doors there's just yeah. too many options at this point it, it is funny because you know as port, you know being being the founder of porch drinking I always tell our writers, how do we go beyond just telling the story of, hey, I was a home brewer first and I wanted to start a brewery. And I feel like when it comes to, you know, exactly. <laughs> when it comes to when it comes to asking a, a lender to to finance that new brewery, I, I'm, I'm sure the, the same situation arises where you're like, OK, cool. So you're a home brewer. But what other what what other factors can you bring to the table? Right. Correct, you know, and, and we've certainly, we've, we've financed a few guys that, you know, th they started brewing in five-gallon buckets. Sure. Uh, because that, that's how a lot of them started. And But there has uh, to be something more, right? Th th there certainly is, you know. Uh, do, do they have the product? Obviously, location is key. Uh, they, they have to have some backing uh, in terms of, uh, help from you know a lot of core I know you mentioned the crazy uncle but uh, a lot of times there is that 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 internal circle where you go out to your closest internal circle and you do have some investment the one cautionary tale I would I would always say there is you want to be uh, cautious about how much of, of my investment am I willing to give up mm -hmm. in terms of a percentage of ownership stake because if you're ponying up cash you're going you're to want a piece of that, right? Mm -hmm. So you have to be really cognizant of that and really aware of, of what am I willing to exchange for, you know, X amount of dollars. Well, we've also seen that issue arise where brewers, you know, brewery owners and investors just, you know, don't always see eye to eye. And, you know, someone who started out as a founder, founding brewer, founding, founding uh, you know, business partner, then has to exit the the, the business and so that completely throws a wrench in, in the entire situation as well correct you're 100 percent correct yeah. and and some of the really sad cases i mean just quick story you know you'll see where uh so much ownership was given up and then you know one one particular person goes out to the group and says hey you know what i'd love to buy your shares and i'm going to pay double what they're worth and you know in, a, in an environment like we're in right now where you can earn a lot on the investment side because of where interest rates are Hey, I'm willing to sell, willing to sell. And all of a sudden, an investor who had 10% ownership share now has 60. And they're primary uh, uh, owner. Yeah. 
So for, for people who are either looking at a brewery expansion or starting a new brewery, where should they start? What's the, what's the biggest kind of uh, factor that they should be planning for as they're going into this exciting new chapter? You know, it's just like anything else. You have to have a plan, right? So if you don't have a plan, then, then you're misguided from the very beginning. Uh, whether you're, you're looking to expand uh, or you're, you're a new startup, uh, I, would, I would encourage everyone to have a plan. And, and so it's like a solid business plan. Absolutely. Yeah. And you know what? I mean, there's some things out on the market now. They don't have to be as tedious as they used to. Sure. I watched a guy put together an SBA level plan in three minutes using ChatGPT, sitting in a bar having a beer one night. Mm -hmm. So there's options out there. And it was a really robust, solid business plan. You know, as long as you provide the inputs, it will create the plan for you. So uh, you can utilize technology nowadays rather than spending, you know, three weeks at your computer to, to put together a business plan. Um, you know, again. So your advice is start a robot brewery. <laughs> I was going to say, Corey, you want to start an AI uh, run brewery? Uh, yeah, as long as I don't have to do anything except punch a couple keyboard keys, <laughs> like I'm fine. I mean, that's all I've been doing all <laughs> yeah, my yeah, entire yeah. Uh, I've gotten this far. Beer industry existence. <laughs> but, uh, you know, so beyond that, again, uh, if you're existing brewery, you have to have the capacity. Uh, a location is key. You know, um, one of the things we hear from our brewery partners all the time, and it's, again, not just in the brewery industry, but staffing is a huge concern right totally. now. You know, finding the right people uh, to be able to help run your business, especially when you put the amount of time and investment into it that you're talking about for, for this type of cash-intensive business is key. So, you know, you have to have, you have, to have people that you, you know and you trust uh, that can help you uh, move that, that that's move why that we should go back to robots because you know they they're always going to be consistent yeah but they're terrible conversationalists <laughs> <laughs> i've tried to talk to my roomba so many times has nothing to say <laughs> uh what are some of the biggest pitfalls for for you know some of these brewery owners who are looking to expand except bad beer <laughs> like and honestly i keep thinking about like i know you won't tell us a story about this but like somebody you're like oh yeah your financials are in place but this is a drain pour <laughs> I, I, I will say without mentioning names, there have been some. <laughs> and again, because, you know, we're not in a, a you know, there, there's so many options out there now. But I think besides the pitfalls, or other pitfalls, I should say, is this is a risk-intensive business. Sure. Um, you know, I think where you won't see it at a, at a brewery like Left Hand because clearly they have their, their financials uh, in play and they understand them. But as a, as a new brewery owner you may be able to brew a really really good beer but if you don't understand some basic cash flow principles uh in terms of of you know balance sheet management and things like that you can really get into trouble quickly and i know it's crazy for me to say this but we've actually seen some really really good breweries fail unfortunately they contacted us too late and and the reason for their failure was they grew too big too fast and you would tend to think that exponential growth leads to uh, you know unbelievable opportunity but in in the finance world there's something called you know the SAF law and it's real simple SAF an increase in sales leads to an increase in assets and that's what helps you maintain that growth well in order to increase those assets you increase your financing that's where the F comes in and we've seen people borrow themselves into going broke because they're trying to keep up with this exponential growth rather than Hit the pause button. Realize we got a really good thing going on here. Let's take a timeout. Let's let's bring everything up to scale at, at the level we're at right now, and then we'll look to continue to move the needle forward. You've clearly never been a part of a brewery sales team. Grow, <laughs> <laughs> grow, every year, every year. Last month was the best month ever. This month sucks, though. <laughs> right, right. Uh, Not to mention any uh, thinly veiled uh, references to breweries being bought out for one billion dollars. So, mm. um, well, Tony. For those, uh, those in the beer industry who might be interested in learning a little bit more about financing for growth or for new locations, how do they get in touch with you? You know, I'd, I'd encourage them to contact us at ONTAP. Go to our website, uh, you know, ontapcu.org. That's ontapcreditunion.org. And, uh, you know, take a look at us. Uh, you can email me directly. Uh, I'll provide you my information, uh, Tristan, and you can send it out to the, to the crew that's listening to us. But uh, we're based out of Golden, Colorado. Look us up, ONTAP. Uh, we, we specialize in helping the beer industry and the beer-related industries. And, it, and you're, you're not lying there. Like, that's, that's one of the reasons why we love working with you guys is that you all kind of grew out of, a, uh, out, grew out of the beer industry and, you know, started working with breweries from the get-go and have helped many, many breweries that we're friends with grow to, to you know, have their own expansions as well. So, so uh, it's been really incredible to see all the, you know, support that you've had and helping to, to shape the Colorado craft beer scene. 
Well, and we appreciate that. And, and yeah, we were part of Coors Brewing for, for first 65 years we were in existence. Yeah. And, you know, for the last almost six years now, we've been on tap uh, after a rebranding. And it's been great to be a part of the Colorado craft scene. And by the way, if you have not checked out this new left-hand Rhino location, please do so. Yeah. This place is this guy awesome. plugging for yeah. us. You know? And just to be clear, people can go to you for their like personal credit. Absolutely, needs, right? Yeah. Absolutely. I know we, we're talking a lot about breweries and brewery expansion, like all that kind of that's stuff. That's a great question. Do. Thanks, Corey. Yeah. Yes, we are. We so are. A, how am I the one keeping this on track? <laughs> <laughs> we have a full product suite of of both consumer and commercial. Yeah. Uh, you know. So. And and like I mentioned at the beginning of the podcast, uh, we will be announcing kind of a, a pretty exciting offer for people who want to maybe switch over to ONTAP CU for their personal finances. Um, so stay tuned. I know next week is GABF week. We're hoping to have a live, uh, another live broadcast from one of our events. And uh, hopefully we'll be able to kind of share more details about that special offer at that point. Uh, Tony, thanks so much for joining us. Um, we will absolutely be hearing more from you throughout the rest of this year. But I uh, really appreciate you joining us for, for this episode. Appreciate it, fellas. Awesome. Yeah. Well, next up, I want to welcome... Ellie, um, Ellie over here from our friends at Team Player Productions. Uh, Ellie, uh, I know we've got some really exciting stuff happening this weekend. Ellie Hicksonbaugh, uh, who's our the event coordinator for uh, uh, Team Player Productions. Ellie, what's happening up in Vail? Tell us a little bit more. Absolutely, yeah. So if you can't make it all the way over to Germany for Oktoberfest, you can just head right on up to Vail, right here in Vail, Colorado. And it's and Vail Village, correct? Yes. This weekend? So we're going to be in Vail Village September 15th through the 17th. Um, we have all sorts of stuff going on all weekend. It's a free event for people to come and attend, come buy your beer, all that. So, um, yeah, we'll be up there all weekend. We. Go ahead. Yeah, no, I was going to say, one of the coolest things about this event is that, you know, you, you talked about not being able to go all the way to Germany, but Vail is is truly, it feels like you're in Germany. It's uh, a yeah. Bavarian-themed kind of village, and so it feels like you're transported right in the midst of the, the actual Oktoberfest. Yeah, absolutely. I agree. Um, the village is really beautiful. It really is. Very European vibes. Yep. And outside of the village itself, we're going to have German beer flowing. We'll have some spot in Oktoberfest. We have lager. We have cocktails. All that kind of stuff. And then we have German dancers going on. German music all day. Um, Which I don't, I don't want to gloss over that aspect of it. Yeah. Having spot in Oktoberfest. Is I fantastic. thought you were going to say the German dancers. I was dancers. just like, oh, yeah, yeah, this is something you're really interested in, huh? <laughs> <laughs> I, am, I am very interested in Spot and Oktoberfest because, you know, so so often do we see more local uh, Oktoberfest events that maybe don't actually cater towards, you know, traditional beers. Uh, like there's you know, certain things that they just kind of do better. As it, it, oh, at, sure. oh, I mean, it's not that there's not good Oktoberfest in the States, but, like, well, they kind of, like, nail it, you know? We're, yeah. we're never ones to shy away from, you know, telling it like it really is. But er, if I have to be invited to another another Denver Oktoberfest where they're only serving Bud Light, then I, I truly will <laughs> lose my mind. Yeah, yeah. I don't blame It's you. German. It's Bugliettes. <laughs> uh, yeah, so Spagna Oktoberfest is as authentic as you can get. Uh, so yeah, that's, that's pretty exciting. Is the fest taking place, like, in the streets, or is it in – because where did we go? Where was, like, the Vail Crap Beer Yeah, yeah. It was, it was in, it's a, it, so just to clarify, is it, like, in those, like, streets, like, in the village, or yeah, is it totally. in that, like, field area that we were in the last yeah, time? Yeah, it's you know? in Vail Village, right in the heart of the village. So we have it right by Solaris Plaza. We have a brand new stage we're adding this year, which is going to be the Rocktoberfest stage. Oh, so we cool. have stuff going on all day. And then you can walk all the way down. There's an area called Checkpoint Charlie and all of that. We have it really packed out with stuff. We have another stage where we're going to have all the Oompa music and all the contests going on. So um, absolutely, there's stuff everywhere. And, and one point of distinction, I know, in addition to having like true, like authentic, like Oompa bands, you will also, so I know it's the, is it the Rhinelanders, yep. the Polkanots, and mm -hmm. Helmet Fricker? Is yes. It, is it, those are the, the Oompa bands that are going to be playing traditional, like, German music. But then you Absolutely. also have some pretty, like, big-name headliners in terms of, like, local headliners. Uh, Tenth Mountain Division 
and then uh, Float Like a Buffalo, which are closing out the, the celebrations in the evenings, correct? Yeah, absolutely. So we end each day pretty much with some sort of contest, something fun, and then we'll shut everybody over to that Rocktoberfest stage with those awesome headliners going on until 9 p.m. We have it going until 9 p.m. on Friday and 9 p.m. on Saturday. I really thought you were going to say Rammstein. Because <laughs> I didn't know. I was like, is it coming? Is it coming? No, it's just Dirk Nowitzki uh, having his own little band. I think he does have his own polka band. So, <laughs> yeah. well, so you heard it here first. Rammstein and Dirk Nowitzki will be at the <laughs> Mail October Fest. Well, one, one cool thing that I learned before the podcast, Ellie, is that you helped to uh, also run some of the contests that are taking place. Tell us a little bit about some of those contests because those are pretty cool. Yeah, I'm just a little biased, but it's personally my favorite part of yeah. the weekend. We have contests going on all weekend, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. Um, we have stein hoisting, which occurs every day. So that's the how long can you hold a stein. Um, we have men's and women's, which gets really fun and competitive. And then we have bra eating um, with Polidori sausages, which is a sight to watch. <laughs> um, <laughs> and then we have keg bowling, which is my favorite. We stack up a bunch of kegs that are empty. We have a keg on a dolly and you roll it down just like bowling and see how many you can knock over. Do you have any insider tips to win any of these games? Um, uh, I don't Ellie know. I think a lot of it is mentality. Of them, right? Yeah. <laughs> They're like, I feel like you be, that's a high, high score. So I feel like we have to give you a job. Yeah. Look out. I'm out there holding the stein for six straight minutes. Well, I don't know. I mean, like, I didn't know how many times you've done this. So I just didn't know if there's some pointers or some tips. Yeah. Um, it depends on what you're doing, but just maybe if you come in German authentic wear, I feel like that gives you a little bit better luck. I don't some know. Some bonus points. It just yeah. feels right. Well, Ellie, thank you so much for giving us the down low. Uh, for those who are interested in a little bit of a, of a mountain. Ex- Isn't it low down? Down. Yeah, down low. I don't know. Keep it uh, on the down low is like don't tell anybody, don't tell which anyone. is the opposite That's of what we're what trying we to we do want you right to now. Tell every single person. <laughs> so once again, this event is taking place this Friday, September fifteenth through the seventeenth. So Friday, Saturday, and Sunday up in Vale Village. Uh, it's it's free to attend from what yep, I understand. It's free to attend. You can we do have steins available on site for purchase, yep. but you can also pre purchase them online in case you never know if we're gonna run out. People sure. love those steins. We have new ones every year. And then we also will have like some pins and flower crowns and hats and things you can buy as well. Super cool. Well be sure to head up to Vale Village and celebrate Oktoberfest here in Colorado, but it you know, like I said, it feels just like you're transported to Germany. Absolutely. Um, yeah. Uh, what's what's the website for folks to learn more? Yeah, you can find it at www.octoberfestvale.com. Awesome. Well, uh, thanks for joining us, uh, Ellie and Tony. It's been a fantastic episode, uh, and we're once again broadcasting here from uh, Left Hand Rhino. Corey, great to see you again, and uh, you safe travels on your on your journeys abroad. Thanks, man. Yeah. Once again, this is uh, this is the porch cast. We'll check it out.